Sports Cage podcast is brought to you by the Canadian Brew House. Order your favorite CBH menu items from the comfort of your home with Skip the Dishes. Okay, man, let's turn and burn. Are you not entertained? Here we go. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 405 on a Monday. And you have to see the smile on my face right now. I wish you could, but this is radio. I hope it's coming across in my voice. In a calendar year, there are maybe two occasions in which I can rip on Luke Mullender because that guy's got it all right tall handsome great job great voice beautiful family Uh, he just has everything but a couple times a year I get a chance to rip on Mullender and make myself feel better one of those comes today because his Dallas Cowboys just the worst possible finish to a playoff game ah the schadenfreude was, mm, mwah, it was perfect. Rip on Luke at 4.30. Very excited about that. Luke and Suits will cross over at 5.05. We'll talk about the Riders' moves, moves around the Canadian Football League, and the notion that the CFL needs to market itself better bothers me on a few levels. We're going to talk about that with Suits and Mullinder at 5.05. Glenn Suter at 5.30. A lot of stories written about suits over the weekend. He wants to get the record straight on some of those. Lord Dyke and a TSN at 6.05 as uh, we will talk about the weekend in the NFL, including the Cincinnati Bengals winning a playoff game for the first time in 31 years. Stefan and Tyner's already on the text line. Congratulations, brother. Uh, apparently his wife built him a snowman to destroy when the Bengals blew that game. They did not blow the game, so the snowman lives on. He's offering up to Mullinder to uh, take it out on because that was awful. The text line is 306-936-6262. We'll talk a bunch about the Riders. Uh, your thoughts on the end of the Cowboys game. Who is the team to watch going forward in the NFL playoffs? Did the weekend number one change your mind on anything on that front? Or is this still the Chiefs world? Or are you a Titans fan? Is it all Packers all the time? Zinger, I know you're listening. Text line brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition. Text line. The news from the Riders. They've re-signed receiver Justin McKinnis to a one-year contract. McKinnis played two seasons so far. The number six overall pick in 2019. A lot of problems with the hamstrings this past season. Cost him some time in training camp. He ended up playing six games throughout the season, just in and out of the lineup with injuries. And as Coach Dickinson said at the time, unfortunately came to camp a little bit out of shape. Took some time to build himself into shape. Uh, McKinnis will be back for the 2022 season. The second receiver to re-sign and with Braden Lenius off to the National Football League potentially some opportunities for McKinnis. Seven targets, five catches for 83 yards last season for his career. He's played in 20 games with the Riders, has 15 catches for 232 yards. Looking forward to seeing more of Justin McKinnis and just getting some sort of normalcy as he heads toward 
2022 season when 21 was absolutely not normal. See what McInnes can really do coming up in year number three. We'll dive into that draft because there were some... Honestly, when you see those numbers from McInnes, you go 15 receptions for 232. We might have liked a little better on that front. When you look at the other receivers in that draft, apart from Herji Mayala, the guy, the kid from Calgary, no one else particularly blowing the doors off. So McInnes, right? Maybe not where we would all have prayed he would be, but right where he should be, honestly, for a young Canadian receiver in the Canadian Football League. It all on the line for him when he returns in 2022. Stampeders making some news as well. They re-signed defensive tackle Mike Rose to a two-year contract. They got back defensive tackle Derek Wigan as well, but Rose is the guy that moves the needle. Number two in the entire CFL in quarterback pressures, which from a defensive tackle is absolutely kooky. Uh, gets, according to Farhan Lalji, 160000 in the first year, 170000 in the second year. You go, well, that's nice. That's not bad. I would, I would, Mosh, you would pick that up if someone left it on the floor, right? Oh, absolutely. Right? So 160, 170. And you think not so much about, well, what that does for Mike Rose, but what does that do for the Riders and the potential to re-sign Micah Johnson, perhaps, who had more tackles for loss than anybody in the Canadian Football League? Kind of sets a ceiling probably for Micah Johnson's contract. We're all... In favor of, I think we're all. I think we're all in favor of Micah Johnson being back, aren't we? Maybe on the text side, if you got a reason why you wouldn't bring Micah Johnson back, a guy who absolutely controls the interior of that defense for the Riders, Mike Rose potentially setting the ceiling on that. Maybe the Riders can save a couple of bucks in one position to give it to Duke in the uh, the other positions uh, around the league. Argos re-signing kicker Boris Bidet and wide receiver Devaris Daniels. Argos deciding they're going to go with a, basically, he's not American, but he qualifies as not a national player, an international player. Argos going international at their kicker punter position at a time where I think a lot of teams are going to start going to more and more global players if that remains to be a thing in the Canadian Football League. John Bowman joining the Lions as a defensive line coach. Of course, 14 seasons in the Canadian Football League. Bombers re-signing offensive lineman Jeff Gray to a two-year deal. They're likely to lose Drew Desjardins to the NFL, so getting Gray back. He was their sixth offensive lineman for spells this season. That's a priority for them. And Dexter McCoyle, the one-time Edmonton Elk, Calgary Stampeder, and last season Toronto Argonaut, announcing his retirement from the Canadian Football League, 30 years old. Moving on to uh, other things. He didn't say specifically what he'll be moving on to, but uh, Dexter McCoyle retiring from the Canadian Football League. Uh, that guy, he was in my all-star ballot for 2021, so a little bit of a surprise for me to see this, but uh, Dexter McCoyle hopefully on to bigger and better. We'll talk about the Pats. Trade deadline day for them in the WHL. They made a move for us to discuss We've got some NFL to talk about tonight with the Cardinals and Rams in an intriguing game in a weekend with less than intriguing games in some spots. Some absolute brow beatings. Kansas City just rolling Pittsburgh. Buffalo embarrassing New England and Tampa Bay and Philadelphia in an absolutely unwatchable affair on the early slot on Sunday. Yikes with that one. Plenty to talk about as we roll on. 
on the sports cage. NFL is next. If you want to weigh in, 306-936-6262. That is our text line, the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line. Luke Mulliner steps in at 430 in the cage. 414 time for the afternoon rush. Trade deadline day in the WHL. The Pats dealing forward Drew Englott to the Kamloops Blazers. Pats get back forward Ty Spencer. Spencer two years younger at 11 points in 32 games this season. Stan Peters re-signed a defensive tackle Mike Rose, like we said, two-year deal, 160 k in the first year. They also signed defensive tackle Derek Wigan to a two-year contract. And congratulations to our speed skaters, Marsha Hootie of White City, Graham Fish of Moose Shot. They are both off to the Olympics. For Hootie, it'll be her third straight games competing in the women's 500 meters. Fish makes his Olympic debut in the men's 10,000 meters. Fish actually was the world record holder at 10,000 meters for a spell, I believe it was back in 2020. Still no longer the record holder, but still up there with the best in the world and will be making his Olympic debut next month in Beijing. It is great news for us. All the guests here on the cage appear on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their specials. Man, the first weekend of NFL action started with a bit of a bang. Cincinnati Bengals didn't fumble one away, beating the uh, Vegas Raiders 26-19. to Jamar Chase, absolutely dominant performance in that one. You thought, hey, maybe the Raiders will try to stop the fifth overall pick and the absolute monster in that receiving core. Uh, they tried, and they could not. Nine catches for 116 yards. Bengals get their first playoff win since 1991 it's been just that long 31 years to the point where everybody kept throwing it out a text message until saturday had never been sent about a Bengals playoff win because text messaging was not invented when the Bengals last won a playoff game which I think that's a nice. I think that's a nice indicator of, of time passing. You know, back in back when the Bengals won, we listened to things on cassette tapes. What's a cassette tape, DT? <laughs> that just blows my mind. Text messaging wasn't even around yet. Like, oh. it seems like it's always been here, right? I know. Yeah. I mean, you got to feel bad for the, that fan base too, going that long. Oh, like yeah. And I mean, for the faithful to keep, you know, buying year after year after year, and just. The sadness that comes with every year then when they know that they're buying their tickets, it's just like, well, maybe this is going to be our year. Year ends? Nope, still not our year. Times yeah. that by what? 20 years? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. It's a lot of wasted money. But every once in a while, you are so terrible that you get to draft the quarterback first overall, and Joe Burrow looks like the real deal. So Bengals fans with, uh, with some hope in this one, uh, they have a bit of a tough matchup. They get the – don't they get the Titans – coming this weekend so uh things are a little more a little more difficult for them this coming week but congratulations to the Bengals they advance yes they do get the Titans the Titans uh, a small favorite at home that game will be on Saturday uh not watchable was the New England Patriots and Buffalo Bills Buffalo 47 New England 17 and for Buffalo it was the first perfect game in NFL playoff history the Bills never punted and apparently scored a touchdown every time they touched the ball, which 
that takes two teams to make that happen. It takes it takes a village to raise a child. It takes two teams, one great on offense and one just terrible everywhere else to make that a reality. Josh Allen, 21 to 25, 308 yards, five touchdown passes in that game as the Bills roll. The Bengals game, honestly, fairly entertaining. The Bills game against New England, I did not watch a lick of it because once you saw it, 21 nothing as fast as can be. Uh, there were other things to uh, to watch. I, I turned on like the power of the dog on Netflix. Update: It's it, it's going to win the Oscar. I still don't know what the hell that movie was about. <laughs> I was going to say I tuned into this old host, so we're on the same boat. <laughs> oh man, I I like my Benedict Cumberbatch just fine. Benedict Cumberbatch. I don't know what accent he was doing in that movie, <laughs> but it was not like Montana. Um. There's a thing with a rope, which is very important to him. Mom's super drunk. The kid might be a serial killer. I don't know. There was a lot of stuff going on in that film. And I and it's one of those films where all oh, the reviewers think this is a just a majestic piece of cinema. And I watch it and go, I, I don't know what I saw. My brain hurts from trying to figure this out. Yeah. Is the kid weird? Where did the anthrax come from? What happened? Why did I waste two hours and eight minutes on this? coming to a Netflix near you. Saturday, a little better. San Francisco, well, starts with Tampa and Philly, and Philly had no business being in this game. T Tampa, 31-15. Uh, Mike Evans, 9 for 117-1. and one. God, the thing that just made my heart sing was the San Francisco-Dallas game. You thought, this is going to be a great, great matchup. San Francisco is this unique offense with these characters that no one else has. Debo Samuel... Uh, man, what is it? 10 carries out of the backfield. No one's got a player like Debo in the, in the NFL. This is going to be great. San Francisco runs up to a great lead. And then Dallas just shoots itself in the foot repeatedly by, ah, you know what? We're not a go for it on fourth and two teams. So you guys have the ball back. You know what? We're going to kick a field goal that makes a two score game, a two score game, because that's good strategy right there. And you know what? I know there's only 14 seconds left, and I know we don't have any timeouts, and I know it's not the Canadian Football League, but we're going to run a quarterback draw and not get out of the umpire's way. Just, just. That killed off, what, three seconds from the clock, too? Majestic <laughs> play calling from uh, Mike McCarthy and friends, and just let's blame it on the referees because we can't, oh, boy. Dallas Cowboy fans, if we have any Dallas Cowboy fans joining us on the show today, and I know we do. Because Luke Mullender will be with us in about nine minutes from now. Oh, man. I just cannot believe that Dallas's whole end game game plan was, you know what? The referees will do everything perfectly. They'll dance right around us like magical fairies. They'll just put the ball right in its right place, and then we'll have a chance. Amazing amazing boobery going on in that game. And San Francisco was trying to give it away in spots with punts and long field goals. And instead of going for it in, in spots where a team like that goes for it all the time. And no, they just Dallas couldn't take what was trying to be handed to them. Uh, Dak Prescott, man, Dak was the feel good story of the year this year. Coming back from that awful ankle injury, he started so hot, humming the ball all over the field, and then swooned at the end. This game, 23 of 43 for 254, one touchdown, one interception. 
did not end the way end the season the way Dak uh, expected it would be. And Ezekiel Elliott contributing. I, I I have to. I know he makes ninety million dollars, which is about ninety million dollars more than I make. But I feel like I need to send Zeke some money for helping me continue on my running backs are not real important philosophy. Twelve carries for thirty-one yards in a playoff game at home for fifteen million dollars. Ah, it's amazing. There were so many things to that game. It just, it was nonstop. The the punter bangs one off the scoreboard. They have to stop the play and start it again. Jerry Jones Stadium, which cost, people were throwing around $1.3 billion to make, has a layer of glass that when the sun goes down, the sun is absolutely blinding on players. So Dallas receiver comes across the middle, looking back into the this blinding sunshine through these windows and the ball is the ball he is nowhere near the football because he can't see it because this cool design element in the stadium proves absolutely blinding and when boomer esiason is crap talking you on the halftime show boomer of his terrific opinions uh it's just a uh, i don't know who builds a stadium east west but here we are when Boomer's talking you down, you know something's bad. So there are just there are a million reasons to rip on America's team today. Uh, and the football world is celebrating every single one of them. Final game, Kansas City 21-42-21, excuse me, over Pittsburgh in a real slow start to that game. Just nonstop three and outs, and Pittsburgh gets a defensive touchdown, and then Kansas City goes, all right, okay, well, we're done with this, and just bang, 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 touchdowns before the half. Patrick Mahomes, 30 of 39 for 404, five touchdowns in that game. So three career starts against Pittsburgh. Patrick Mahomes, 14 touchdown passes. Got their number on that one. They advance, and it's Mahomes versus Josh Allen in the Sunday, the early game. Uh, pardon me, the late game on uh, – pardon me. Do, 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 the 5.30 game on Sunday – not sure if that's early or late, but we'll have to see where they slot Tampa Bay and the Arizona Rams winner. The Bills and Chiefs should be a good one on Sunday. Very much looking forward to that. And if you're following along on Twitter, my prop on Bodog. They made a prop for me on Bodog Canada. It absolutely hit. So congratulations to you if you took home the money on Mahomes over 26 completions and Kansas City wins by two touchdowns. Arizona Rams 7-15 tonight. The Cardinals activating J.J. Watt from injured reserve, a move that was expected. Hopefully he is back and healthy and gives Arizona, speaking of late season swoons, Arizona with a chance to take out the Rams. On this one, 7-15 tonight, the winner gets the Tampa Bay Bucks. Uh, on Sunday, did you catch much from the NFL on the weekend, Mosh? Did you did you experience any of the uh, Schadenfreude that I did with the with the Cowboys? No, I watched a bit of that Cowboys game yesterday, and <laughs> towards the end, I was just like, I can't watch this anymore. We all know what the outcome's gonna be. See you later, Cowboys. Yeah, Connie and Cooks Creek. The Cowboys game painful to watch the first thirty minutes. Forty nine yards of passing in the half for the Cowboys. That signaled bath time. <laughs> Connie, I wholly support that. I am a bath guy as well. And there are points where it's like, you know what? I'm, I'm just not doing this to myself anymore. It's arts and crafts time. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm going to fix that thing that's been lingering. Or I'm going to go clean the garage. To me, that was the uh, that was the uh, first game, the Eagles and Bucks game. Because the Eagles just had no business in that game. Nope. Uh, 
they were a nice for me they were a nice surprise I didn't think the Eagles would be anything this season but Jalen Hurts really did some nice stuff and you can work an offense around him they could use some more talent but even against a decimated Bucks squad they just were were absolutely no match the Bucks to me are in a lot of trouble with whoever wins this Rams Cardinals game but that's for that's for next week. I, I highly advocate Connie bath time. That is that is absolutely the way to go. <laughs> Although I hope you caught the end of that because, oh, there's going to be some shouting and screaming about that for as long as Mike McCarthy remains in that job. How do one? How do you get that wrong? Fourteen seconds left. How do you get that wrong? Two. How do you go to the post game interviews and say? Well, we practice this all the time. We practice that quarterback draw, get down, spike the ball, and have a shot at the end zone. If you practice it all the time, I would hope to God you're better at it than you showed us on Sunday because that was atrocious. Well, the umpire should have just come on. The umpire should have been. Why was he so far back? That's where the umpire stands. Well, why didn't he set the ball? Well, because he had to run through Dak Prescott and the center to grab the ball. That the center put in the wrong spot and should have should have given to the umpire in the first place. Well, why didn't they? <laughs> Just every excuse in the book, they're throwing out. Yeah. Why didn't they stand in front of the water bottles we were throwing at them after the game? Well, because they didn't want to <laughs> get a concussion. Why didn't the fans litter the field sooner so that they could stop time and we could have that one yeah. last play? If your whole strategy is set on everything around us needs to be absolutely perfect. You're, you're cutting it too close. 16 seconds left, apparently. You could have got her done. 14 seconds? No, that's how football works. You know that's how football works because you practice it every day, apparently, in practice. Except for totally blew it at the absolute most important time. And one shot from a 25 turns into the game is over. And Tony Romo wants to hang himself in the booth because he watched his his beloved Cowboys fall in that one. Oh, it was entertaining. I cannot wait to talk to Luke Mullender about that coming up. Luke and Suits will cross over at 5 o'clock. Suits has some real beefs with, what, with what's going on on the internets. We'll talk about that at 5.30. Laura Dykin at 6.05. All football on a Monday on The Cage. Time for one big number. One big number for this day is 15. In his two seasons with the Riders, Justin McInnes, 15 receptions for 232 yards. 20 games played so far, and the Riders hope there is much more to come. They re-signed McInnes to a one-year contract on this day, or at least announced it. On this day, McInnes played to six games in 2021 thanks to uh, injuries However, the Riders signing him back up well in advance of free agency, ensuring a nice Canadian fits into their lineup for the coming season. One big number brought to you by Realtor June Daku. Get one big number for your farmland. Call June Daku at 306-736-7640. Prescott takes off running the football. Whoa, I don't think this is going to work out. It will. They'll be on the clock. This they were planned for. It's Four. down, down. Oh, my gosh. Oh, the Official gets in the way. The game's oh over. Gosh. The game is over. Oh, he did. <laughs> Romo was so sure that it was going to work out. And then no, and then no. It it does not. Romo realizes that it's not going to uh to come through. 
connected with Luke Moner so we could talk about his Dallas Cowboys and just an incredible finish. One we will hearken back on for, I don't know, for at least as long as Mike McCarthy's in charge, I would think. It's going to be great. Uh, Stefan and Tyner is on the text line. He, of course, our resident Bengals fan. <laughs> says, uh, playoff Cowboys are the new playoff Bengals? Is that possible? It's been forever since the Cowboys won a title. What was it, 95? That's been that's been a long time. thought 91 was a long drought. Been a long time for the Cowboys as well. Stefan points out that Coach Zach Taylor out in the city after the game in Cincinnati handing out game balls to fans at the bar. That's how you know. <laughs> that's, that's when you know it's been uh, painful for an entire fan base. Yes, it was a... It was a great weekend for some in the National Football League, and it was not so good for others. We'll hook up Luke Mullender in a, in a moment. NHL, nothing of consequence for us in the NHL tonight. Jets and Flames both in action tomorrow. The Jets take on the Capitals in a 6 p.m. game. The, the Flames hosting the Florida Panthers as they do a little Canadian swing. That one at 8 o'clock. Rachel Dory will talk NHL with us tomorrow. And the Pats making a trade today. We'll get some comments from their GM and head coach John Paddock in a little bit. The Pats trading Drew Englott, 2002 born forward, to the Kamloops Blazers in exchange for 2004 born forward Ty Spencer. Spencer, three goals, eight assists in 32 games with Kamloops this season. He is from Saskatoon, so a chance to come back to his home province. Englott course has been with the Pats for a while six goals 10 assists in 32 games this season Paddock saying this is a chance to get a younger high-skilled player in Ty Spencer that'll fit in their 2004-2005 born players do we have our special guest on the line can we play our clip for our special guest once again I know Luke Molliner this one will not leave you anytime soon Prescott takes off running the football whoa I don't think this is going to work out it will they'll be able to clock this they were playing for it's down down Oh, my gosh. Oh, the official gets in the way. The game's over. The game is over. Oh, he did. (laughs) Luke Mullender, noted Cowboys fan. I'll just, I'll let you have it. What what are you thinking today? Uh, You know what? I've gone through the myriad of emotions that that game brought forth. And to be honest with you, DT, that's, uh, it's disappointing, but, uh, you know what? When you're a Dallas Cowboys fan, you have to accept the good along with the inevitable. And the inevitable of that was that the Cowboys found a way as the better team to lose to an inferior opponent. You, we gave them an entire football field worth of yardage and penalties that canceled out some really crucial plays. So to be honest with you, that last play just fit the game script. Um, you know, when you're not used to being in those scenarios a ton and, and you haven't done it, I mean, you know, the, 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 the first thing you need to do in that situation when you down it is, is literally sprint to the referee and give them the ball. That's it. Right. You know, and, and for, for, the, for the Cowboys, for them to, to try to, you know, they, they got ahead of themselves, unfortunately, um, and, you know, I don't blame the ref at all. I mean, the ref's got to touch the ball. 
like Tony Romo was right on, on the broadcast, right? Like the refs got to touch the ball. The play can't go without the ref touching the ball and placing the ball down. So when you when you get in that situation and you down the ball, you have to literally pick it up and sprint and give it to the referee. I mean, we've seen all sorts of examples. Like Larry Fitzgerald is a really good example, right? Um, there's clips of him in those situations where, you know, he catches the ball and literally sprints over, right? Chase Claypool this year got all sorts of flack for being an idiot and dancing on a first down with 30 seconds left when they needed to give the ball to the referee. Yep. That's what you got to do. You got to give the ball to the referee and instead what we did was we Dallas cowboyed it which means we <laughs> did something that just made no sense at all but honestly man like Dak played terrible for two and a half quarters um the team played trash and it's uh yeah I mean we and and we still had we still that's that, that's the thing there's there like Jerry Jones said earlier today there's too much talent in that room for for that result and um san francisco i mean more power to them i I, i'm just more concerned and and here's the real big thing dt and i'll tell you this so do i i I got some time right oh yeah yeah um so yesterday i'm sitting down here in my basement now 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 mind you some 49ers fans and some cowboy you know my my 49ers buddies they, they wanted to watch the game with me no right made the excuse I did, realistically it's bad juju to hang out with any 49ers fans on game day right yeah especially watch a game with them you know so i'm sitting in my basement alone fancy new tv my- is that right did i see that on social media oh yeah man yeah, yeah, yeah. fancy new uh 4k a bunch of letters tv it's, it's uh <laughs> it fits right above my mantle perfectly so love it i'm all excited and this is where this so this is why i'm a little bit subdued because there were bigger things that happened um, in my life last yesterday when it came to that Dallas Cowboys. My son, my pride and joy, you know, he wakes up from his nap as the game's going. And he, and he comes down and he says he wants to watch football with daddy. So, of course, I'm like, yes, thank you. You know, sit down, son. He's he's wondering why I got my football jersey. I explain to him. And I say, you know, yeah, we want the white team to do really well here. All right, buddy. And you know what my son says? Huh. My son. The kid that I've done everything for since he came, he came into this world. Oh no, he didn't. The 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 dude that has the most amount of toys that any kid ever the the, the kid who gets everything. You know what he says? Oh no, he please says, no. Daddy, I want the red team to win. Yeah. Yes, yes. Oh, little Molander already rebelling. DT, I I just sit there. I, I'm like. Um, come again. I want the red team to win. And so my heart was broken for three quarters because that's when my son joined me. My heart was broken for three quarters. And so to make matters worse, right, so he goes upstairs, right, and, and, and you know, I'm watching the game, and, I, you know, I'm really mad at the end of the game, right? So I'm, I'm, I'm upstairs. I'm ripping my Dallas Cowboys jersey off. I'm throwing it in the laundry. I'm stomping on my Dallas Cowboys hat. I'm mad at the world. All of my friends are now texting me, talking trash, right? Like, like everybody I know is, like, on me. My other friends who are Cowboys fans are disappointed. They're looking for someone to, to provide a shoulder for them to cry on, and I'm not it. So my phone's going off, and my son who's playing upstairs, he goes, I, I, he, he, he knew I was mad. I didn't want him to think I was mad at him. So I'm like, yeah, you know, you know, daddy's team lost. And this. This dude 
goes, yay! <laughs> the red team won and proceeds for 10 minutes to, to, to prance around in his bedroom going, the red team won, red team won, red team won. So, yeah, that was that was my life yesterday. Oh, that's... So not only did my Cowboys crap the bed, my son. My son, my son went against the family values. You know, he went into this cult. I'm going to have to, I don't know, I don't know where I go from here, man. There have been many points during this show, uh, in our history together in this show, where you've wanted Cowboys coaches fired. Um, who, who was the defensive coordinator that like game one fired, fire that guy. And they eventually did. Who was that? Oh, Mike Nolan. Mike Nolan. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, where are you with the current Cowboys coaches? Because Kellen Moore called that play. Mike McCarthy approved that play. I don't know what I honestly. I don't know what people see in Kellen Moore. I just see some. I just see I, Kellen Moore. I just I look at him and I'm like, man, you've got the you've got one of the best running back combos in the game, and you started out throwing the ball at me. Like, you want to know where Dallas Cowboys fans knew that game was going downhill? Huh. The first play when we threw the football. We were like, oh yeah, you know what, Kellen Moore's gonna like. I don't know what. I don't know why everybody likes Kellen Moore because I, I don't see it. And and this this malarkey about Kellen Moore taking over his head. Go here's what needs to happen. Whoa. Here's what needs to happen. They need to fire Mike McCarthy. Yeah. All right. Because again, that that was that that amount of talent on that team. And I thought Mike McCarthy was going to be good, right? I I thought he was going to be good for the Cowboys. But honestly, um, you know. I was that was probably more just because I wanted to get rid of Jason Garrett. I was tired of watching Jason Garrett clap on the sidelines until my buddy, who I'm like, I told my buddy yesterday, I'm like, man, we got to get rid of Mike McCarthy, man. I would have rather had Jason Garrett out there. You know what he said? He goes, well, I don't know why. He, he, he literally said, well, well, Jason Garrett's team didn't have any discipline issues. And he was right. <laughs> he was right. That's so then I was like, oh, yeah, now we need to fire Mike McCarthy. But here's who we need to give the job to. We need to give the job to Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn is going to be like the front runner to, to for like two or three NFL teams. Yeah. Jerry Jones needs to fire McCarthy and hire Dan Quinn. And I know we got to talk about other football games, but that that is my point to this game is I I'm ready to move on from Mike McCarthy. We gave up one we got we gave up a football field of yardage and penalties in the playoffs against a bitter rival. Can't have it. This from NFLPenalties.com I found to be amazing. Uh, the Cowboys had one defensive holding penalty on a run play in the last 10 years. One time they'd committed that penalty. They had two in that game yesterday where a defensive player tackles a guy trying to block him because I don't even know why. Like It was it was phenomenally well, Randy Gregory ridiculous. was uh, – he lost his mind. I was like, what are, yes. you, what are you doing? What are you doing, bro? <laughs> It's, he's sumo wrestling with a guy. It didn't make any sense at all. This and is this is when we, this is in the fourth quarter when when we need the ball back. Like and and that's what he's doing. Like come on. Yeah. And the the final decision, the the draw play call aside, that was hardly the only decision that was just ridiculous in my mind from McCarthy and company. Four thirty eight left in the third. They're down sixteen points. They have fourth and two. In this era of the NFL, you cannot punt that football away for reasons that we saw. You lost no, you the game by six it. points. You go for it. You you just you, you have it. to because you're you're in a dangerous spot where you might be down two scores, but you might be down three scores. You have no, to go for it. Um, fourth, uh, twelve minutes left in the game. Fourth and seven from San Francisco's thirty-three. They kick a field goal to make a sixteen-point game a thirteen-point game. And I'm not a math guy. 
But both of those seem to be two-score games, and I don't know what you accomplish by taking a field goal there. I know fourth and yeah. seven seems daunting, but you got to score touchdowns. Touchdowns. Yeah, I, I, I was, you know what, and the only reason I'm not as upset about that is probably because it worked out and we had a shot at the end, even though we tricked it off, right? But I agree with you. I, I was actually really frustrated when they did it, when they kicked that field goal. I, I think that, you know, especially with some of the things that we were doing offensively at that moment, it seemed like that was the right time, right? Because, you know, there were, the, like, again, like, Dak played trash for, like, three quarters, two and a half quarters, right? Like, in the fourth quarter, he was playing well. Like, man, ride that momentum. You yeah. know what I mean? So, I, I was I was, I was, was frustrated about that. But, you know, and maybe it's a good reason why we're talking about the Cowboys game so much because, really, the, the other games were were a bit lopsided, right? Yeah, the Bengals-Raiders the Bengals I thought was pretty entertaining on Saturday. But, uh, yeah, the Cowboys yeah. one was the one to talk about because for a guy who gets, gets all the love on the, other hand, on the other side, Shanahan made some boneheaded decisions that I thought gave Dallas the chance to be in this game. Uh, f- punts on fourth. Well, Shanahan and- made some bone, boneheaded decisions, and Jimmy G played. played. Jimmy G started, started faltering. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 30, 40 seconds left. San Francisco punts on fourth and one from the Dallas 38. They get 18 yards net from the punt because it goes into the end zone, and it took Dallas like eight seconds to get that yardage back. Uh, Previous punt decision was essentially fourth and one from the Dallas 49. They go, we're going to punt, and Dallas goes, boop, boop, and they have the yardage back. And you realize, well, if we're just going to play soft defense, why on earth are we punting? Because it just doesn't matter. They're just going to throw the ball to uh, Blake Jarwin or or, uh, Schultz, whoever the tight end was, for 40 yards. Well, it was embarrassing the way the the, the 49ers gave up the sidelines. I mean, the announcers made note of it, too. You know, they just they just let the Cowboys. I mean, we'll take it, right? Obviously, you know, Cowboys fans, we were elated, and 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 that's why, really, um, that there was even a chance to 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 run that QB draw at the end because because they finally just said, you know what, just like leave them, let them take the middle of the field if they want anything, right? Like, but again, you know, like preparation is everything and you know with with there's no four and a half hour room or a rule in the in the nfl those guys are in there all day those guys go through every single analytical play every single analytical uh situation and and for us to for us to to do that call that play and then and then not just the simplest thing of giving the rest of football um beyond you know what i mean because cause but they practice the it all football, the time luke think, well here's the other <laughs> thing too right if, if you give the rest of football well, guess who? Guess who? Guess who? Guess who controls the clock now, right? It's the referees. So the referees have to like leave at least a second on. They, you know what I mean? Like yeah. you give the referee and he's any trips, like you know what I mean? They're gonna give you another player, right? Give the ref the football, like you know. It's just, yeah, it's beyond me why we didn't do that. Why? Why? And yeah, I just again the the I was mad, but you know it was probably more heartbreaking that my my son just was elated that the 49ers won. We're gonna have to do a long history lesson, yeah. um, you know, this week here on on why we never cheer for the 49ers. Yeah, I I feel you. I, I'm gonna draw a parallel from my own life to this football game. Uh, what's your position on like your your personal stance on being on time? You got a meeting, Luke. You got a meeting at say four o'clock. What time? What time do you? What's your plan to get there to for your meeting? Well, if 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 you're early, you're on time, and you're on, if you're on time, you're late. 
right? Because things could go wrong, right? I was doing I was doing an event in Saskatoon on Thursday, and I thought, okay, well, I got to be there at this time. Uh, it starts at like one o'clock, so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to try. I'm going to plan to be there for twelve twenty-five because something could go wrong, and something went wrong. My my map got me all goofed up in directions, and I don't know where I'm going. And I, yeah. when I thought I'd be a half hour early, I was only ten minutes early. You, you have yeah. to you have to plan for things to go wrong. The Absolutely. Dallas, yeah, the you Dallas plan for worst case scenario. Exactly. The Dallas Cowboys, by doing this with 14 seconds left, did not plan for anything to go wrong. They let themselves zero margin for error. And if your plan hinges on everything being absolutely perfect, you have no plan at all. Because mm. when are things ever perfect? Never. Yeah. Yep. Never. Uh, I totally agree, man. Brutal. It's uh, yeah. It was. Uh... Again, it's uh, we sit here today, and then the San Francisco 49ers, like man, you know, I, I was, I'm, I'm, you know, I got, I had a ton of bets out there. <laughs> I now got to take a stupid picture with with 49ers gear on and stuff like that. Oh, like no. it's just, just a disaster. Yeah, oh, that's, yeah, just that's so disaster. bad. Four forty-eight. We'll talk about the Riders signing on the other side. Some CFL news next as we continue with Luke Mullender. Glenn Suter joins in the conversation at five oh five on the Sports Cage. This segment for Nick Service in Emerald Park, your local Massey Ferguson, Challenger, Rogator, Gleaner, and Fent dealer. Call 781-1077. Sports ticker at 449. The Riders re-signed receiver Justin McKinnis. Number six pick in the 2019 draft has played 20 games for the Riders. Dealt with a recurring hamstring injury in 2021. Argos linebacker Dexter McCoyle has announced his retirement. A 30-year-old played four seasons in the CFL with some NFL time in between. Argos re-signing kicker Boris Bidet and receiver Devaris Daniels. Final game from wildcard weekend tonight. Cards and Rams at 715. The winner gets the Bucks. Next weekend, sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. 781-2090. Derek Taylor, Luke Mullender with you. And uh, Luke, last week I said, hey, Justin McKinnis is a guy who I'd be curious to see what happens if he hits the open market. Because I think teams would still look at a guy who went number six in the 2019 draft, uh, a long guy with speed, and someone might be able to take a uh, – you know, not not even a flyer on him, but give him a little little premium to come play for them because they think they can harness it. So through that, I'm actually fairly excited that the Riders have him back for the coming season. What do you think about McKinnis re-signing in green? Well, I think that it was it was, it was probably prioritized when when Braden Lenius went to the Atlanta Falcons. Um, I think that everybody sort of recognizes that hey, Canadian wide receiver is a real strength. And and now that Lenius isn't there, you obviously look at a guy like Schaefer Baker, um, Terrell Jana, and and also McInnes, uh to, to to pick up that slack, right? And one of the things that uh, that you want to make sure that you have um, in training camp, especially uh, as this league continues to get better, um, you know, across the board, is competition. So having a guy like McInnes in there. Who you're familiar with, and 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 really who you who you've been willing to invest some time in, right? Like I remember them. I think they were probably a little bit frustrated with the shape that he came into camp, um, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, but they were also they also sounded like they were very sort of empathetic to his situation 
with his family and, you know, knowing that uh, McKinnis was a guy that, that also had other priorities. So, hey, let's give this kid time to, 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 to get into game day shape or through practice, right? He wasn't on the roster to open up the year in terms of like the starting depth, right? And, uh, and they sort of let, they were, they were, they were really, again, patient with him in terms of, what they asked him to do and what they asked him to contribute. And so now you look at a guy who you say, Hey, you know, Jeff, the, the league is probably, you're probably not gonna have a two year off season again. Right. So, you know, now that you're used to your family situation, let's, let's, let's get you in a routine and, and come into training camp ready to compete. Cause I think that it'll be very different. I do think that he's got an opportunity to play more now. But uh, more importantly, hopefully he, he's able to, to enter camp this year as somebody who's going to compete right away and not as somebody who is just going to, you know, to, per, to, to take reps um, and, 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 you know, quote, quote, see what we got. Because that's what I felt like happened last year. I really didn't, right? And I was maybe a little bit more vocal than, than, than he players probably would have liked about McKinnis, right? Because I, I had said that, hey, you know, if there was a guy that I would put over McKinnis, it was everybody. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, yeah. So, so again, now you can come in. Uh, the team's committed to you. They've already shown that they like you and that uh, that they're willing, that they were willing to be patient. So, you know, now here's some money. And also, like, hey, let's, let's get a, give a little bit of that equity that the team gave you. Let's give it back, right? Come in ready to go. Yeah. He, this is the thing with uh, McInnes, and I was just looking over some old depth charts from 21. They would list him as Lenius's backup on the depth chart, but I don't, I don't believe those guys can play that same position. I, I don't think, I don't think you can take McInnes and move him inside to that R receiver position with those blocking, blocking requirements and running routes from the slot. Am I? I feel like he he and Key and Schaefer Baker are both outside receivers. What what's your impression of how much McKinnis could do in this offense? Yeah, I agree. I think that McKinnis is an outside guy, and I think that if you move anybody inside, it's Schaefer Baker. Do you think um, he could play that Lenius role? Well, I don't know. I mean, yeah, does that's the my concern. Role even, does the Lenius role even even exist though without Braden Lenius himself? Right, that's the other thing. Right, like does yeah. Jason Mosh say, okay, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do something totally different instead of try to replace Brady, right? Um, so, so there, there, there's that, right? And again, it's um, I'm not sure whether this this is you know to be we should make a big deal of this, but you know the people do talk about Jason Moss's system needing time to to be implemented, right? It's it's a little bit more complicated, and, and maybe Jason Moss now is a little bit more familiar with the guys he has, including McInnes, and, and looks at it and says, you know what, we're going to go in this direction. Remember, uh, right off the bat, they, they re-signed Albert Awachi. They brought in another fullback, right? Um, yeah, they let talk. go of Alexander Dupuis. So, um, again, Awachi is a guy that, that was used a lot around the line of scrimmage. Um, when, when he was playing a lot. And, um, so, again, I think that uh, right now anything's, anything's really possible. And you have to remember that uh, Terrell Jan is another guy that we didn't see anything of, right? We only saw him in the exhibition season and training camp. Uh, is he a guy that, that, that's suited for, for that inside work too? So, uh, again, you've got, you've got some pretty good You've got some you got some guys that, that you're gonna be able to to experiment with and, and you know, try out in different spots and again with this new fullback that they just got from Edmonton. Sorry, his his name escapes me James right Tuck. now, right? Like yeah, yeah, right. Thank you. Um, you know, uh 
you look what his skill set brings to the team, and and you go from there. Uh, again, I think that the bigger the bigger sort of signing was Kyran Moore, obviously, right? Like that's yeah. a that's a guy that you relied on heavily. That's a guy that you relied on in a number of different ways, and I think that when Kyran gets healthy. Uh, you continue to develop on on the things that he brought to the table. Yeah, and obviously the guy that you want that everybody wants is uh, is Duke Williams. At the, at the moment, people are going to say, "Well, here's our receiving core: it's Duke, it's Kyron, it's potentially maybe it's Shaq, it's Key and Schaefer, Baker, and Justin McCannis." I don't see how you get two Canadians into the starting receiving core at this moment. And based on some of the ro- the lineups they put out last year. They don't need to. They could easily uh-huh. take a Canadian and put an American in because there were times where there were nine Canadians in the starting lineup. But unless you're willing to make it can- at the moment, and so much can change from now, at the moment, unless you're starting Kean Schaefer-Baker at that boundary-wide receiver spot, which would be unusual for an 18-game season, to me, you can't get two Canadians in there right now just with the, the personnel they have. I think I think Jana ends up more outside than inside unless you're going to use him at that at Kyron Moore spot, but I don't know that I see that. I, I'm curious to see what that means for, for the rest of free agency because, yeah, at the moment, to, at the moment for me, it's just one Canadian in the receiving core. And, 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 and the important thing about that whole thing is, is that the Canadian receivers on the roster can't worry about any of that, right? Like yeah. that was the beauty of watching these guys in training camp this year is that you, <laughs> if we're being – completely honest we were we were like okay well which canadian actually plays right like that it wasn't like hey we got all these guys those guys sort of declared themselves as ready to play within the first few practices right especially when the lights came on then you were like oh my gosh oh my goodness we, we've we've got some guys right we can so again the 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 questions are going to be answered um depending on how ready these guys are to contribute right for sure what is jeff if jeff mckinnis i mean sorry uh if, if mckinnis justin mckinnis uh if mckinnis comes in um in the same shape as last year yeah the, then the answer is going to be okay we need to find an american you know right like for sure yeah these guys have to come in ready to compete these guys again if they're as talented as, as we know they are um then the roster flexibility that we'll have um will be will be you know, in a big part due to what they can bring to the table. Because you really don't – you don't gather – I mean, unless you gather and I'm missing something, I don't, I don't think that they're going to look to to utilize the Canadian interior on the defensive side, right? Like, I think that Charbel DeBeer will get a chance to compete. They might bring Mack in at a low-level salary to compete as well, right? But it, it does seem like they'll, they'll, they'll definitely want to go with, with some American pass rushes on that interior yeah. to bring uh, – the same sort of thing that the edge rush rushers brought. Uh, who knows uh, what your what your situation Canadian wise is going to be in the secondary? But uh, fortunately, you've also got uh, tights back. So, which is a nice nice addition. Yeah. Sorry, Luke, we we got to hit the news break. Uh, Glenn Suter is going to join us on the other side as we continue to d- discuss uh, the Riders re-signing Justin McKinnis and. The notion the CFL needs to market its players better. I'm going to throw that at Luke and Suits in the 5 o'clock hour. The Sports Cage on a Monday. Brought to you by Western Lumber Timber Mart with locations in Assiniboia, Moose Jaw, Rolo, and Weyburn. News is next. Okay, man, let's turn and burn. Are you not entertained? And here we go. 
the official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. 507 on a Monday. Sports Cage brought to you by Western Lumber Timber Mart with locations in Assiniboia, Moose Jaw, Rolo, and Weyburn. This might be my favorite half hour of the week when we cross over our former pros. Luke Mollander on the one side, Glenn Suter on the other Dale in Saskatoon is here for it. He says, Luke, as a fellow Cowboys fan, I'm with you. Yes, Dan Quinn needs to be the head coach, and Mike McCarthy fired. Let Kellen Moore go to another team. Brutal showing by the Cowboys. Once again, they beat themselves. And I don't mean, Luke, to have so much joy in my voice, but <laughs> I'm just so elated that it happened in ridiculous fashion to somebody because I can preach moral superiority since I don't have a team. I love this spot. It's my favorite spot. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what, man. Yeah, again, like I said, I, I'm not sure what people see in, in Kellen Moore. Uh, I think that uh, I think that I, I would have had a, a pretty good chance with with that um, <laughs> with that personnel in Dallas on the offense. I think I would have had a pretty good chance to to get at least 250 yards and a couple of touchdowns as an offensive coordinator um, um, this year. So uh, again, you know, I, I think we've been been quick to rush and give the wrong guy credit uh credit goes to dan quinn he did a great job he did exactly what we wanted um him to do when when they named him dc is to create some turnovers and get a defense that's uh that, that's capable of taking you into the playoffs and deep into the playoffs but uh yeah the discipline issue man that's that's gonna that's gonna hurt for a while all right so suits of course we've been talking a ton about the final play call for the yeah. Cowboys, the quarterback sneak with 14 seconds to go. The question I have for you guys who both played a long time in professional football, what did you do when you your coach made a terrible call and you knew it was terrible? What did you do immediately? What did you do in the aftermath? Suits. Well, immediately you don't show your disappointment in the call. You, you're very careful not to do that. You go out on the field and try to execute whatever's called, no matter how crazy you think it might be. And if you're veteran enough, and I'll go back to the 89 Grey Cup, when in a key moment we, were, we called the play to double-team uh, Tony Champion, and we actually changed the play. It was both Richie Hall and I in the defensive huddle changing the play in the Grey Cup because we thought we knew better. <laughs> oh, no. and, they, and they threw it to Tony Champion, who makes that spectacular catch. But we had double-teamed Rocky DiPietro, and we both felt like they were going to go back and try to go to Rocky DiPietro just across the goal line. So I guess... That's a long story to, to sum up the fact that you go and execute what you can. If you're a veteran, you can try and change the play if you want, but you better be right. <laughs> so you and Richie Hall together helped create one of the great catches in CFL history. Well, I'm not sure if we could have really legitimately doubled that far outside okay. anyway, but, but he – you know, we wanted to double Rocky DiPietro. We wanted to take him away from Carrington, Carrington and have him throw it. If he's going to beat us, he's got to beat us 
with a long throw, an accurate throw, and boy, was it ever an accurate throw in play. Uh, one of the best ever. Absolutely. Uh, Luke, when a coach made a terrible call, what did you do in the aftermath? Like, you, I assume you executed the play, but what did you then do afterward? Was there kind of silent grumbling when you got back to the locker room, or, or what happened? Well, it depends if you won the game or not, right? If you, if you won the game, you don't say anything, and you just you talk to coach maybe at the at, at, uh, you know, the first day back and say, look, man, this, this situation, we felt we should have gone with this. You know, what's, what's your thinking behind it? How come you called that? But if we lost the game, then by all means, you moan and complain about it all, all night, all day. Um, you know, that's just something you do. I, I've been in the same situation as Suits in 2009 in the Great Cup. Um, me, Stevie Baggs, and John Chick were out there in, our, in uh, one of our formations towards the end of the game. And uh, for about uh, – I think it was probably, probably there's four four calls in a row that we didn't agree with at all, and uh, we ran three of them. And then finally on the fourth one, uh, I think the 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 uh, the, the game the ball to um, Ben Calhoun, um, you know, Chicken Chicken Stevie they 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 had, they had had enough of it. Well, Chick Chick mainly. So what we agreed to do is we agreed to you know as a defensive front we we agreed to sort of do some of what was being asked of us and, and at least let one of the guys rush because that's what we felt we weren't being able to do we felt like we were just as a defensive front we were able, we, we weren't able to rush the passer especially with John and Stevie on the edges right so so I've been in that situation too man and uh, you know what it's frustrating but again you know. Uh, there's a lot to be said about uh, doing the right call. Um, sometimes if, if, if you, you may have the wrong call in there, but if everybody's doing it and everybody's playing it at, uh, at 100% of that call, then you still got a chance to, to, to have something come out that's positive, right? Yeah, yeah, you got to do what you got to do. And, and Luke, um, I don't want to bring up the Dallas. I know it's fresh and I can't wait to see. <laughs> I'm sorry, but to see you in a 49ers jersey, <laughs> I'll be I'll be checking my Twitter. That's going to be wild. Yeah, I will not. Um, I will not be. Oh, and the worst part, suit is is like I we we agreed that it would be it would be broadcast on all social channels. Like, okay. So there's no yeah. way I can hide it. You know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, you know, I want to go back to that last 14 seconds because I know obviously the coaching staff takes a lot of heat there. Uh, but you know, really that is the job of the quarterback and Dak yeah. needed to manage that 14 seconds. I, I wasn't, in fact, when he took the snap and ran quarterback draw, I, I thought that's a, a brilliant call because it, it keeps the ball in his hands so that mm -hmm. he can now control it and get it to the official as quickly as he needed to, to spike mm -hmm. and kill the clock. So if you throw it to a, a receiver and the, and the, you know, the defense was playing to protect the sideline. So if you throw it to a receiver in the middle, you now have to go get it from the receiver or hope that he knows you got to get it to the official as quickly as possible. Yeah. But what you, what you had with the quarterback draw was brilliant because you go up, you get down about a two seconds earlier because those extra two yards wasn't going to make a difference. But now you can you can make an intermediate throw to the end zone on the last play of the game. So, yep. you know, I, I thought they managed it right to that point, but then Dak has to control that. He can't give it to the center. He's got to turn around, keep the ball, give it to the official, get back, yep. get lined up. As soon as he puts it down, snap spike. And yep. that's got to be – that's on Dak Prescott. I, that's 100% that's – 
you know, I'll defer to Luke on, on the assistant coaches and the entire game plan and things like that. Cause yeah. he's a Dallas guy. And I, I, I haven't studied him like that, but on that last 14 seconds, that's on Dak, not on the coaches. Yeah. Yeah. You got to as players, you got to own that part, right? Like you got to understand, especially when you go through those scenarios, right? Like, like when you go through that scenario in practice, you know, like Suits said, the, the reason why, one of the perks of, of running that play is, is that keeps the football and you're able to down it and run to the referee and give him the ball. Right. Uh, so again, but they didn't do that. Lose right. No, they didn't. Right? That's they the didn't. thing. So that's, Multiple guys that's did it wrong after that. And they, they say, well, we practice this every Friday and Saturday. Dak said, McCarthy said, we practice this all the time. If you practice it all the time, why are you so terrible at it? Cause you did everything wrong. Yeah. Yep. McCarthy said it. Then I, you know, I don't want to. I don't want to get into his head or what he was thinking. But if he said it, it was probably to make the point that, hey, we practice it. Uh, but it, once once the game is on, it's the the players control the outcome. They have to manage that. If you're yeah. going to run out of the end zone or not run in the end zone, at the end of the day, that's your decision when the ball's in your hands. So he's pawning it off on the players in that case. Uh, well, it feels a little extent. bit like it. But if Dak said well, it as well, just, then I maybe just, you it was. Know what he's doing? You know. he's, he's, he's giving. He's he's trying to he's trying to like calm the media down and and make it seem like they had their head on straight. Oh yeah, we practiced that situation. I don't know what's going wrong, right? Like, yeah, yeah that's that's why he said it. Wow. Yeah. Uh, uh, what was it? Dan Orlovsky did a great breakdown on ESPN's morning show, and then Chris Sims, who I, I'm not the biggest fan of his work, but. He said, I, hey, I played for Belichick. I played for McDaniels. We ran that with 16 or 17 because we knew how much time was needed. To do it with 14 is pushing it. And had they had even 15 on the clock, it, we, even with the mistakes they made, they would have got that play off. But uh, ultimately, yeah. that's the last play of the, uh, the wild card round for the Dallas Cowboys. And now everybody starts to wonder uh, about their future. Let's take a break on the other side. I want to talk to the guys about this. Uh, the CFL needs to market its players better is going around Twitter a bunch today. I think that's I think that's nonsense. We'll discuss it with Glenn and Luke as we continue. It's the Sports Cage on a Monday for Western Lumber Timber Mart. Afternoon rush at 518. Pats trading forward Drew Engla to the Kamloops Blazers. Getting back forward Ty Spencer. Spencer, two years younger. And congrats to speed skaters Marsha Hootie of White City and Graham Fish of Moose Jaw. They're both off to the Olympics. For Hootie, it is her third straight games. The text line 306-936-6262. Brought to you by the Saskatchewan Rough Rider Foundation. It's the Chase the Ace Rider Edition text line with Luke Mullender and Glenn Suter crossing over on a Monday. There's a bunch going around Twitter today about all the things the CFL does wrong. So suits, I don't want to steal it from you, but I'm having a why, why <laughs> moment. And yeah. one of the overall things is the CFL needs to market its players better just on the surface suits. Do you, uh, do you agree with that? Do you disagree with that? I think it's too broad of a statement. I really do. And, and, you know, I, I think there's a lot of things that the league can do that doesn't really cost a lot of money. They can have a much greater social media presence, create way more content, um, get the players involved with all of that at all levels, whether it's podcasts or whatever you're doing on social media. And there's a lot of things that we can do and grow, but to just, sort of make the blanket they don't market enough i to me it's more about messaging okay it really is i i i think 
100% of all those that are directly involved with the league have got to be on board that this is pro football. It's ours in our country played by world-class athletes. And that is the message. End of sentence. Do not waver. Do not go. But if you compare it to, yeah. And, and then the rest of that sentence and that road. So it, it's the messaging that has got to be consistent because for the last 35, 40 years, as long as I can remember, I've been involved with the game. It feels at times that we're walking like zombies down the middle. We're not really dead, but we're not really living either. Yeah. And, and we're sort of somewhere in the middle there. Just be convicted, be all in, put your chips in the middle and say, what it really is, entertaining pro football in our country played by world-class athletes. Uh, Luke Mullinder, the thought, uh, just in the statement, the CFL needs to market its players better. Where would you fall on that? You know, I'm totally on suits aside about, you know, buying in, you know, locking in and, and, and really owning the value of, of the Canadian Football League game. Um, as, such, as far as the statement goes, I, I actually disagree with it. Um, I think that's the teams that need to market their players well, right? And that that probably means the CFL. But but at the end of the day, there's there's a there's a couple things I think the Canadian Football League needs to do. I, I think they need to get creative with their their corporate partnerships um, because that's what engages the players, right? When you go out and you get partners that are progressive and that understand demographics and 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 want to leverage um, players so that they can attract people to their brand, right, and the CFL brand. That's where, that's where the, the magic and the money is made for everybody. Mm -hmm. When you have progressive partnerships in the Canadian Football League. Um, that's why it was really disappointing for me um, to, to listen to Randy Ambrosi's, um, you know, State of the League address at the Great Cup Week, and, and they only announced one partnership, and that partnership was with a data collection company, right? Like, it, I, I have always felt like they need to harness what exactly what Suits is talking about, but then they need to go out and find those partners that also believe that and also have the expertise, because that's the one thing about the CFL. They don't have the expertise and, and, and the infrastructure to create it by themselves. They need willing partners to help and share ideas and create. And that's where I think um, the CFL needs to go. And uh, my second thing is the Canadian Football League and every single team that needs to start coming up with a plan to get this game in front of new Canadians, period. End of oh, story. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. And they don't do enough of that. And and you know what? It's not that people, you know, people always say, well, you know, football's a hard sport. Like new Canadians want, trust me, new Canadians want to get involved with football, right? They might they may have trouble understanding sort of at, at the very start of, you know, when they're watching a game. Because they're you know, new Canadians like myself when I was when I was younger, right? Like I came from New Zealand and you know, every game we played, like soccer or rugby, the ball always moved forward, right? Like, is it confusing to see a team go all the way down the field and all of a sudden have somebody throw a yellow flag out there and now the team has to go backwards again and there's more added? Like, there's a lot to think about, right? But you can make that fun. You can make that adaptable for new Canadians. And again, like, look at Canada. Look at Regina, right? Like, suits, I, that's the best part about Suits' experience with TSN. He was coming into Saskatchewan where, you know, you could – count the the people of color on one hand and you might be double counting some 
Now it's a lot different, right? It's a lot different in Saskatchewan. It's a lot different across the country. This is a multicultural um, country. And if you want to truly own and, and take pride in Canadian football, it, make, it, make it attractive to new Canadians as well. Because new Canadians, if you look around, there's a lot of them. Well, and I think that's a huge stakeholder group that we don't cater to enough, and we should. There's a huge opportunity for every team to do so. The the NFL just had a playoff game on Nickelodeon again because they want to appeal to a new market. That's not new Canadians, but that's that's kids and get, guys get slimed in the end zone because they're they're looking well, out for the other that. Thing the, too is right. Like let, like, let me jump in here. Let me jump in here for a sec, Luke. Just on on the premise that because uh, this is the one that bo- it bothers me when people say the CFL needs to market its players better. Uh, Suits, you're a huge fan of the Canadian Football League. Is there a CFL player who, if you saw him in a commercial, he would make you want to buy a product? Is there any CFL player that would turn a non-football fan to buy a car, a soft drink, or go to a restaurant nationwide? Yeah, not not really. And I, that's I mean, honestly, the problem. Yeah, honestly, I. It, but it's not just that. Like, I don't I don't buy a soft drink because The Rock says I should either. Yeah. But at some point you probably did. At some point in your life you were probably manipulatable by that's cool, I like that, I look good in FUBU, whatever it is, right? There was probably a point where you where you did. And I mean, Steph Curry can sell shoes and LeBron can sell shoes and Patrick Mahomes can sell head and shoulders with Troy Polamalu, but we don't have that level of star in the Canadian Football League. Well, I, I don't. I think we have the level of star. I, I think we have the level of talent. As I said, it's it's who, who is that athletes. star though? Who yeah, has that but, Q rating? But I, I I hear I hear what you're saying, and that's that's where you approach it differently, and you let it grow organically. So, so for instance, an example would be for me to have a a pro, a Saskatchewan Rough Rider, who is a captain of a minor football team or a flag football team in the province of Saskatchewan. He's their honorary captain for the entire season. And that captain goes and talks to his team. He follows his team. He goes on Twitter and and engages with the players on his team. And maybe those are 10-year-old kids playing flag. But, you know, Cody Fajardo interacting with those kids or Braden Lenius or any of the guys interacting with the kids, these are these are where you grow it organically. And now in the kids' eyes, they are stars because all it takes is to go to one football game under the lights at Mosaic Stadium, see your player, your honorary captain on the field, and now you're hooked for life. Now you're taking your girlfriend when you're in your teens and your kids when you're an adult. And I and I love that and teams do I mean the riders are big into into stuff like that into communicating with the community but when people say the CFL needs to market its players better Luke I think they fundamentally miss that CFL players don't have the broad appeal that world class soccer players do or or I mean uh, the top yeah, NHL players not, do. And that's the thing DT I know what you're getting to but that's the thing it's it's not because and that's not because of the 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 CFL, I mean, the players that like, for oh. instance, Ronaldo, such an international appeal, right? The reason why Ronaldo is such an international appeal is because he is an amazing soccer player, but soccer's the deal. Soccer is the sport, right? That all of the world 
you know, uh, relates to and draws to. So if you stand out in the sport that everybody loves, then you automatically get catapulted to that startup. And that's why Suits is talking about Canada actually starting to take initiative and start owning the game, start treating, you know, start the messaging around world-class athletes playing the Canadian Football League game. Because the, the, the higher the Canadian Football League is able to elevate itself, the higher the standouts from those individual teams will then be elevated. It doesn't go anywhere if the game doesn't get elevated itself. And, that's the, that's the, and that is why I, I talk about partnerships, because the game gets elevated through its engagement with, yep. with, with corporate Canada, with everybody else, and that's through the partnership. So it's, 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 it's all part of it. But, yeah, as far as the premise goes, well, the league needs to market its players, no, that's not true. Because, truthfully, like, the NFL doesn't go out of its way to market Tom Brady. The NFL goes out of its way to market the NFL that Tom Brady's in and that he's one of the greatest players. He's just, he, he just released his own clothing line. The NFL wouldn't have anything to do with that, right? Like, so, so, again, it's the game that needs to be elevated. But, yeah, I mean, whoever has the best head of hair in the Canadian Football League, uh, nobody in Canada is buying head and shoulders because pretend Brandon Banks had big, long hair. No one's buying head and shoulders because Brandon Banks says go buy it. There's not that sort of buy-in. So to set that as a target and use that as the CFL is doing this wrong because, and there are players online doing that, you're missing the point of what the CFL is. The CFL, and Suits, you and I will talk about more about this in the next half hour, the CFL is building from the community out. And to put right. that on the – I think the CFL does a bunch of stuff wrong, but I can't stand when people go, you're not marketing your players. Really? Because uh, yeah. when I watch Juwan Breskison making catches and go, Juwan is not a star, but, man, I see that – I've seen that catch 100,000 times. The uh, CFL, they're doing some stuff right. Before I go, the CFL yeah. literally for two years straight brought every single pre uh, tier one player – into Winnipeg and into Saskatchewan. Yep. They did it two years in a row. And I'll tell you right now, it, it, it wasn't the way – that NFL would never do that. Like, the CFL has tried to do that. It's the game that needs to be elevated. That's I'm with you on that. Uh, Luke, thank you, brother. Talk to you guys Friday. I'll be watching Twitter, Luke. I'm going to be watching Twitter. <laughs> Man, I'll just, you know what? I'll save you the time. I'll send you a pic. Get, get, <laughs> get Luther a, a Niners jersey too, hey? Oh, I'm still mad at that. I'm still mad at that. He is Luke Mullender. Follow him on Twitter at LukeMull95 with us every Monday and Friday on The Cage 530. Glenn Suter sticks around for fine tailored suits next. On a Monday, Fine Tailored Suits brought to you by Quality Tire. Ten locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. If Glenn Suter told me to buy a car, I'd buy a car, but we're talking (laughs) all-timers in the Canadian Football League. Uh, So, Suits, I was away for a couple days. I was doing an event in Saskatoon for the good folks at Sasksport, and uh, you apparently ruined the CFL while I was gone. Is that is that what I read on social media? You ruined yeah. the CFL and advocated cheating at all levels. What's what's happening there? Yeah, yeah, I'm blow, I'm blowing out uh, salary caps and I'm ruining the financial structures of teams. And no, you know, it's <laughs> it's it's real simple. And I, I you know, we, I just want to be clear on on some of the topics that were rewritten from our show. Clayton was filling in, as you know, DT, but, um, 
there there was a couple of things. First of all, we we talked and I was asked specifically about the rider situation and and hosting the Grey Cup and does that sort of change your approach and 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 free agency around the corner. What you know what are you, would you be looking at if you're Jeremy O'Day and things like that? And I, you know, my thought is that you you push the salary cap. That by no means do you deliberately blatantly go over it you, you just push it so that you're right at the edge and then if you have some injuries in the season and your salary cap starts to you kind of leak into the fine area well then you live with that because you want to go out and try and and create and and buy as many you're basically buying them on the free agent market mm. uh, big playmakers as you can and and character guys that are going to build your team's core but you know that's a balancing act and a budgeting act and you know to to be it, social media is is hilarious to me because <laughs> i the you know the guys that are are taking clips from our show and rewriting them i i think are great and you know and a lot of times they write some really good stuff i mean when they're breaking down zach Kolaris's contract and his leverage and you know other articles that are on three down nation and in a lot of different places on on the internet and on twitter i i think hey it's it's great i mean there's a lot of really good stuff in there and to be honest they they often quote me word for word um but the headline of the tweet is is where they try to go across the line and i'll give you an example the okay outside of outside of the one with the riders and and no one was suggesting cheating in fact if you go back and listen to any time we've talked about salary caps i've been for them 100% before they even existed and think that every team should stay within their cap but if you're going to push it you do it when you're in your host year and and you take some gambles that if we get really deep in injuries and we have to bring in more players it's going to hurt us and we may have to pay a fine we understand that but it's our our year with the cup we want to try and get that key playmaker we're going right to the ceiling okay and so that that clears that up but the one that that forced me to go back on twitter and and make sure i was clear was the paxton lynch discussion and, okay. and we had, well, we were talking about the backup quarterback situation for Saskatchewan. And there were a bunch of people that, you know, believe because he was a first round draft pick in the NFL that, you know, given the opportunity, he would have been the guy that, that wins the cha championship for the Riders. And, you know, first of all, we were talking in the context of backup. So, so, you know, this is, this is Cody Fajardo's football team. I, I was asked a lot of questions about Paxton Lynch during the season, more than, except for Cody Fajardo, Paxton Lynch was the player I fielded the most questions about on the entire Riders team. Yeah, because because there's a lot of people still, and again, this goes back to the messaging. We led into this this part of the show with great discussion on messaging and 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 being convicted to the league is made up of world class athletes because there's a lot of people that still waver and believe that because he was a first round draft pick he should walk on water and come in here and just take the job and take it and run well we've seen many many examples that that just doesn't happen and and so what what happened when the headline came out on on twitter was paxton i that i was quoted as saying paxton lynch couldn't isn't good enough to play in the cfl i never said that right 
what I said was he wasn't good enough to make the team or the active roster in Saskatchewan last year. He was beat out by Mason Fines. He was beat out by Isaac Harker. He was beat out by Cody Fajardo. Straight fact. Yeah. He, so he never so, played so that, the game. Those are, yeah, those are the facts. He didn't make the dressed lineup because he wasn't good enough in training camp and beyond to make the starting lineup. Yeah. So be, because of that, that's just a fact. And just because he was a first round draft pick and believe me, I've seen tons of them come through that couldn't play here. Some of them were pro bowlers that couldn't play. And then, and then in the article, it's written that I compared him to Johnny Manziel. And again, I want to be clear on that. I didn't compare Paxson Lynch to Johnny Manziel. I was saying that in a bigger picture discussion, and it was clear if you go back and listen to the show, in a bigger picture discussion, Johnny Manziel was another example of that, where just because he was, yeah, yeah because he was play. a major well, college player and a, and a top draft pick that he was going to come to Canada. And some coaches and people who knew better or should have known better said he would be the best player to ever play in this game. June Jones, I mean, everybody. June Jones yeah. with the best player in the history of the forgetting that Doug Flutie still exists. <laughs> yeah, that was. Yeah, I'm I mean, I, I threw up in my mouth that day. Yeah. But but my you know, my 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 point is that that is all ridiculous because, again, world class athletes out on the field and for a guy to become the next Doug Flutie or Warren Moon or Ricky Ray and actually become all-stars, superstar players in the CFL, they have to commit to learning the Canadian Football League game. Yeah. They have to spend the time to do it. Ricky Ray is the only example off the top of my head I can think of, of a quarterback who didn't spend four, five, six years trying to work his way up the ladder to become a starter and then take over and be a, a big time player in the, in the league and win championships. So I just wanted to, because there, there's a fine line between, you know, criticizing a player or saying, you, you know, you believe through your experience that he should have done this, just like we did with the Dallas discussion earlier. Mm. But it crosses the line when you say, Suter doesn't think Paxton Lynch can play in the CFL. He's not good enough for the CFL. That, that crossed the line to disrespectful to Paxton Lynch because that's not true with a different offense, a different situation, a different quarterback room, you know, different receivers. Maybe he can start in the CFL. If he comes back to a training camp here or somewhere else, maybe that's the opportunity that he will take full advantage of and become a starter. Yep. I, you know, Paxton Lynch to be a first round draft pick and to be, do have his college resume Oh, was a great football player. Well, and we saw him in training camp suits. We would see him. They don't throw as much during practice, but we'd see him in training camp. Paxton Lynch can can really throw the ball and not throw the ball through a brick window, like through, through a brick wall. But he can put touch on the ball. He can drop it down the chimney in a relaxed uh, training camp setting. He was an, he was a fantastic thrower of the football. Who knows mm -hmm. what it would have been like in a game, but. The people who were educated enough to determine should Paxton Lynch play for the Riders, 
said said 13 times, no, he shouldn't. Yeah. The, the, yeah. the coaches make that decision. You and I don't make that decision. The coaches said he's not better than what we have. And that's, yeah. to your point, that's exactly what you're saying. Coach Dickinson, Coach Moss said he's not better than what we have. He won't play this week. Yeah, so the headline in Twitter, and again, a lot of these articles will actually quote me. So if you go and actually read the article or listen to our show again on the podcast, you'll hear how I said it. And it's it's different than that headline that Paxton Lynch isn't good enough for the CFL. I There is no way I would disrespect any pro football player that gets an opportunity to go to a training camp at the pro level on either side of the border. They're good enough to get there. They're great football players, guaranteed great football players. They didn't, it didn't work this year or this past year for Lynch in this system with the guys that were around him and their experience and all of it. So he was fourth on the depth chart and he wasn't good enough to go up the depth chart this year. Yeah. And that's what I was trying to make the point of. And just because he was a number one pick in the NFL, not number one overall, but a first, first round, round pick, yeah, in the NFL that does not give him the golden ticket to come up here and dominate. It just doesn't. Yeah. And this is the messaging that we touched on in the first half with Luke that I'm talking about. This is not the second tier or anything else. It's different athletes, different, not better or worse, just different and world-class world-class guys that when you break down the numbers, you're talking about less than 1%. Yeah. This is and this is a problem I I end up running into on social media a bunch because there are, there are by its nature half the players in the CFL are below average for the CFL. That's just how the average works, right? There are some exceptional players and there are some terrible CFL players. Well, you you can't say he's terrible at football. He's a pro football player. Like how he does compared to me doesn't matter in his profession. And people whether intentionally just to get a stir or they just misunderstand that period. Well, you can't say he's bad at football. I really can. Like, I can really say he's bad at football. I, I watched Dominic Davis play football for the, for the Ottawa Red Blacks and thought that guy should never play quarterback again. Dominic Davis would be, by a factor of a million, better than any player I ever saw up close or had throw me a football. But against the guys he competes against, he is not up to the average people I don't know if it's intentional just to get a stir or they just don't get it that there are players who are bad at football playing in the Canadian Football League that said you have to have reached a certain plateau to even get in you talk about the one percent and maybe even the one percent of the one percent you have to be in this this range you're not with a 99 percent of us schlubs here you and your career were not with a you were far above any of us However, there were times where you might have been, I don't, I don't know, I don't remember 100% of your career, but there are guys you played with who were below average CFL players, yet were incredible football players in the grand scheme of fo the football yeah. world, because that includes high school, where, yeah, man, I was again, a bad high school player. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, again, just get again, right you know, what I'm saying. Yeah, again, I'll, I'll, I'll kind of uh, go back to the, the messaging aspect of what you just said, and, and just tweak it a little bit. So in other words, you know, you're right. When you get to that less than 1%, you get to a pro training camp, then all of those players are good football players. 
and for so for you for, for the whole for world then, yes for, yeah but then to go and say well i i've seen guys you mentioned the example of dominic davis who who hasn't take he hasn't been able to to take the next step yeah. at the pro level because you just don't know that you don't know that with college players and you don't know it with former nfl players that come up here whether they're going to learn the game spend the time to do it and invest in it and then get it and some don't a lot don't but again i i would change the messaging to not half the roster are not good football players they're good football players they're just for whatever reason whether it's lack of experience lack of commitment lack of ability um at in a different type of game for lack some of Americans, opportunity lack of opportunities lack of reps yeah and i've said it many times that there's there's tons of Canadians on rosters across our country that given the opportunity down South where they got a real opportunity, Canadian quarterbacks up here, if they got the same patience from some coaches as some of the Americans that we've seen that have gone five, six, seven games and have been below 50% and throwing interceptions like they didn't care. The age of Cornelius. Yes. Uh-huh. Well, well, how about the debut of, of Johnny Menzel? Oh, four picks and oh. But he made that one throw, Suits. He made that one throw on a full sprint to his left to, I think, a diving Geno Lewis that, oh, my God, it's amazing. He's going to be the best quarterback ever. <laughs> there, that's a, there, there's a systemic bias, I believe, too. But there, yeah. by, by definition, half the league has to be below average for the CFL. And I just right, right. For, the pro, for pro football for pro football. And let's not go. let's not in any way mistake that I, I, I'm trying to think of I, whatever backup Canadian receiver comes is the first guy who comes to mind for me. And for my younger days, it's a guy like, uh, well, Jamie Stoddard was a starter, but I would die if I saw Jamie Stoddard in person because that guy would just whip around me like, oh, my in my primest of athleticisms, any anybody who ever sniffed a CFL roster would make my head spin. Let's never get that. No one's saying anybody's as good as, as these guys, but for yeah. some guys are terrible at the CFL level. They're just Somebody has to be in the bottom 10%. And we will name those players on the, oh, no, we're not going to do that because Suits will never. Uh, the bottom percent that aren't Final terrible football. Bo bo bottom per percent that aren't terrible football players, they're just on the in the bottom percent of their teams or the, or the league. They're not terrible football players. They would If they were, they wouldn't be in training camp. So that that's where I'm separating, huh. you know, just, it's, it's really terminology. It's really, sure. it really again, it's straight messaging. And that's something that I've, you know, I've turned over the new leaf, the new me in the Y segment and beyond is I'm going to just say it from now on. I'm not going to, I, for, for the last 20 it, years. Say it. Yeah. For the last 20 years, I've, I've, I've just sort of shrugged and thought, well, that's just so-and-so saying it. So whatever. And I've kind of moved on and just tried to stay on the positive side. Not anymore. I'm going to speak up and say, no, Wrong messaging. Yeah. Wrong messaging. Suits. That's, bring in the that, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. So I'm going to clear it up and tell you what I said. Paxton Lynch didn't make the team here, but that doesn't make him a terrible player. Yeah. Just he didn't make the team. And it doesn't mean that Paxton Lynch isn't good enough for the CFL. That's not, that's not remotely 
in, what I said. In year number one, he was never on the active roster is an absolutely true statement. Didn't make it. Yeah. Five forty-nine. Couple of moves in the Canadian Football League with effects on the riders. We'll run them past suits as we continue. The text line, 306-936-6262. Your thoughts, your texts on the Chase to Ace Rider Edition text line on the cage. Five fifty-one. Riders re-signing receiver Justin McKinnis, number six pick in the 2019 draft, has played 20 games in green. He dealt with a recurring hamstring injury in 2021. And final game from Wild Card Weekend tonight: Cardinals and Rams at 7:15. Winner gets the Bucks next weekend. Sports ticker brought to you by Bronco Plumbing and Heating, where professional service is guaranteed. They'll treat you right. Seven eight one twenty ninety. Justin McKinnis back in green suits when we did our. Must sign them, should test the market. I thought McKinnis might get some love if he hit the market because he still has all the physical tools that uh, got him to be the number six pick. I thought some team might take a flyer on him. Uh, he ultimately deciding best to be back in green. In a, as you can tell, a move I am pretty happy with. Uh, what, do you, what would you want to see from Justin McKinnis in year number three? Yeah, well, now he, he knows how to train. We've talked about this before, where the difference between year one and year two are huge for players. They, you just get a better idea exactly how you're going to be used, and you you know the game, you know the timing of it, you know what's required physically, what's required mentally. You can actually study video of yourself and self-scout. How can I run routes better? How can I, you know, all of those things. So I think it's a huge signing, and I think Luke touched on it, but – with Braden Lenius going down south and getting an opportunity there, I think this is even more important uh, with your Canadian content. And McKinnis has now got to take that step and become a starter and become a guy who, who forces the coaches to keep him on the field. Mm-hmm. You, you've got to be that guy. I mean, often you can interchange and change the ratio as a coach in different ways. And as a Canadian going in and getting your opportunity – You've earned it, and he's put in the time, but now you've got to make it so Craig Dickinson can't take you off the field. He's he's looking at you going, well, we could put an American – you know what? No, no. He's producing out there. We can't take him off the field because he's producing. you got to, you got to get that in the coach's head, and you do that through consistency. I, I wonder if – just if, before we get to training camp, my view of it, I, I'm curious if – Kean Schaefer Baker has passed him on the depth chart, and if there's anything McKinnis can do to make up for that, with with what KSB was able to show in year number one, I, I'd like to see him both uh, able how, to start. And how do you I do know, that? I know. Though? Yeah, I, I heard your breakdown, and and you, you, it makes a lot of sense when you go through the names and you get Duke Williams back in the lineup and things like that. Um, that you know where you want some of those American playmakers out there, but. Oh, I just think you they're know, both perimeter guys. When we're talking about Schaefer, Baker, and McInnes, I think they're both wideouts. And I mean, you want to put one guy at that field side, but can you can you put one of those guys on the boundary side wideout spot? It would be my question because no CFL team kind of no CFL team does that currently. Yeah, I would try him in different spots. You know, I would I would see how he he does with waggle motion and. You know, how, how he can, if he could play on that in the inside in a bunch formation and, 
you know, different, different ways to, to put him on the field, you know, de- depending, he's got to have a good camp and he's got to earn it and yeah. all those things. So he and Schaefer Baker are both, let's put it this way. They have a golden opportunity to go out there and prove to the coaches that they shouldn't take them off the field. Both of them. Yeah. And, and that gives Craig Dickinson and the staff so much flexibility in other places, maybe yeah. another American tackle or old lineman or, whatever you want to do there. If, if McKinnis can be the guy who replaces Braden Lenius, there becomes a, but that requires protection and a lot of, you know, a lot of the grunt work in there. So if McKinnis can be that guy, uh, Lenius changed himself in, in a, you know, in two years, what can, what can McKinnis do in an off season? We'll, uh, We'll see. It'll certainly help, in my mind, his chances of getting on the field. The other one I wanted to talk about was Calgary re-signs defensive tackle Mike Rose to a two-year deal. Farhan Lalji reporting yep. 160 for the first year, 170 for the second year, which is very nice money. Uh, and I just, I always take this back to, okay, well, what do the Riders do with that? And go, oh, okay, well, th- to me, that almost sets a ceiling for what Micah Johnson might be able to make this season. I love Micah. Mike Rose was a different different deal in my mind at defensive tackle in the league, and maybe it saves the Riders a couple of bucks in their hopes of getting Micah Johnson back. Yeah, I'd, I'd take either one of them. <laughs> oh, my God. Please, yes, absolutely. Yeah. I'd take yeah, both of sure. them if you could figure it out for me. But uh, yeah. Rose was no. number, yeah, Rose number two in the league in quarterback pressures. Micah Johnson, number one in the league in, in tackles for a loss. And he had, I believe it was a couple sacks to, to add in there. Mm-hmm. Micah was still a force, but to me, Mike Rose is the ceiling setter when you're talking about defensive tackles. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And this is this is all part of this free agency coming up and teams trying to get some of their key players before they get to that free free agency window. Um, but yeah, as soon as as soon as sort of the top guys are signed, that's kind of the parameters. And but again, it it depends on the particular budgets of each team and 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 where they want to spend more money and 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 where the needs are. If if a team thinks the investment on the old, like for the BC Lions, for instance, mm-hmm. they, they've got to believe that investment on their old line is going to, you know, be top priority for them, even though they need to get Brian Burnham back. So it, it, it just depends on the team, but yeah, I, I think it sets a ceiling and it sets a, a chance to, you know, get Micah Johnson back at a, at a, at a workable price. I would. And I would like that very much. There are, there are a few bigger Micah Johnson fans uh, than me, so I hope he gets what Mike Rose gets, but I hope it uh, ultimately, in the grand scheme of team building, I hope it curbs it a little bit. Yeah, I, and I'm with you on Micah Johnson. Oh. Just outstanding and a great person, too. I love doing Zoom calls with him. But the other thing I wanted to mention real quick, John Bowman, yes. former defensive end, signs as a coach with the BC Lions. I think this is outstanding. First-class guy, tremendous football player, great ambassador, and I guarantee you John Bowman, an American who made his career in Canada, is now going to continue with his career in Canada as a coach. He understands the correct messaging that's necessary. (laughs) (laughs) We we got about 30 seconds. Just, I mean, props to, to BC, right? Last year... Uh, they hired uh, Claudel Lewis, who had just retired at the age of like 26. They hired Tristan Dice to be an offensive assistant, the son of Bob Dice, who uh, played some college football, working on young coaches and working on new coaches. It, it's, I mean, John's not exactly young, but he is a new coach. And I go, 
okay, well, Rick Campbell mm-hmm. is really – Rick Campbell is, is looking after the next generation. I like the thought of that a lot, honestly. Yeah, so do I. And, and you know, Ryan Phillips becomes defensive yeah. coordinator last year. And Ryan, I, I thought when he was playing, was going to be a coach for sure when I'd have discussions with him. So, uh, you know, it, it's true, but you have to have the right guys – you have to have those character guys who knows that it's no longer know that it's no longer about them. It's about, you know, and you can't, some guys can't do it. Some guys that were great all-star players, they go into a locker room as a coach and they say, and they say, do what I did. Yeah. You know, that's that you, you Thanks, <laughs> you've got Gretzky. You got to analyze. Yeah. You've got to analyze what you've got and then, and then help those guys become the best yeah. players they can be. So I, they've got the right guy in John Bowman. I know that. And they did with Ryan Phillips. You just, I, you gotta, there's balance here too, though. You can't have a whole bunch of former players, you know, on your coaching staff that are now saying, you know, we're all buddies together in the locker room. There's gotta be an edge there where, you know, you can be cut as a player. Is there any proof from BC that that's a bad idea? Oh, okay. Well, we're out of time suits. Thank you, brother. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Okay, sounds good. Glenn Suter, fine tailored suits, brought to you by Quality Tire. Ten locations across Saskatchewan, qualitytire.ca. News is next. Laura Dyken talks NFL at 6.05 on the cage. Okay, man, let's turn and burn. Are you not entertained? Here we go. The official radio partner of the Saskatchewan Rough Riders. This is the Sports Cage on Sports Radio 620 CKRM. Here's your host, Derek Taylor. Six oh six on a Monday for Western Lumber Timbermart with locations in Assiniboia, Moose Jaw, Rolo, and Weyburn. She's taken time out of digging out of I don't know fourteen inches of snow to talk football with us. Laura Dyken, how are you? Good, good. Uh, in our little igloo, and uh, <laughs> power's still going, and I think the sun will come up tomorrow. Now, maybe some folks were asking, <laughs> really, is Toronto is is the the snow that big a deal? Uh, when I saw 25 to 40 centimeters, so what's that? 10 to 16 inches of snow. Uh, that's a big deal everywhere. Oh my gosh. The, the downtown core, which is usually spared just because of the proximity of the lake and all the buildings and everything. The last I heard it had 36 centimeters this morning. Oh my gosh. So out, like we tried to get the car out of the driveway and it wasn't happening. So uh, yeah, it's just, it's, uh, it's enough snow for a lifetime, but it's winter in Canada. So what else, what else are we going to do? You know, is, is the, the cable is still on, right? Like you still get to see Rams oh, yeah. Cardinals tonight. Oh yeah. oh yeah, buddy. Oh yeah. And, it, even if I needed a generator or something, we'd be watching the Cardinals Rams tonight for sure. It's not too bad. It's just, it's, you know, I, I was laughing because we've got an umbrella out in the backyard and for whatever reason, we didn't think to like take it inside. So we've got, you know, a good couple of feet on top of this umbrella that's like quivering, you know, with every <laughs> gust of wind. But anyway, anyway. Oh no! All right, uh, you are a noted Cowboys fan. You were certainly watching the Niners and Cowboys in in the best game of the weekend. Uh, please, if you would, your day after thoughts of that game. You know, I've had a lot of very nice coworkers and friends and family members calling to see how I'm doing. Did you get any sleep? And I hate to say, like, I'm not 
maybe I've just become numb to it, but this is what the Cowboys do. And I was telling everybody that could listen, oh, are you worried about the Niners? Are you, of course I'm worried. I'm more worried about what the Cowboys are going to do. So now this last play will go down into Cowboys lore along with did Dez actually catch it? And why can't Tony Romo take the snap properly? So now we've got the trifecta and I feel like now it's nothing but, but looking ahead after that. But I mean, it's, it, it is disappointing, obviously, just with all the talent and this year was supposed to be different, but when you're just doing the same mistakes, it's again, we talked about this last week about the definition of insanity, doing the same thing over and over again, expecting a different result. And here we are once again, lamenting an early Cowboys like I think this is the seventh time the last 18 times they've made the playoffs that they've gone out in the first round so it's you know it's par for the course it's fine with I'm fine I'm fine (laughs) and if you believe that yeah Uh, with what you've seen from two years obviously the reaction to I can't believe they blew the final play that bad is Mike McCarthy needs to be fired with what you've seen from two years is Mike McCarthy back for year three with the Cowboys? Well, Jerry's already come out and said that that's, that's happening. But we, again, a hot topic when they first got hired, it was kind of a different Jason Garrett type of quarterback that I know if you ask any Packers fans, will say that Aaron Rodgers should have a lot more Super Bowl titles than the one that he has mm-hmm. in large part because of Mike McCarthy. And I don't know if it's just Jerry just self-inflicting wounds all the time or what it is, but... I don't know if this is the coach that gets them over the hump again, because again, with Jason Garrett, it was just the same things over and over again, like the lack of discipline, the lack of offensive, you know, um, imagination and kind of switching things up a little bit. It just feels like you're kind of in a downward spiral now where it's the same issues popping up again and again, both of the, you know, offensive defensive coordinator, Kellen Moore and Dan Quinn highly sought after for head coaching interviews and head coaching jobs. This felt like the window where they really had it because for once the Cowboys had a defense that could match what the offense was doing. And you could argue the last few weeks when things were, you know, the the inconsistencies were showing, it was actually the defense that was outperforming the offense. And you never thought you would say something like that with the weapons that they have on that side of the ball. But, but here we are. And, and I, I don't know what changes, right? Like, I don't, I don't know, you know, 14 penalties. If the Cowboys win the game, we're still talking about those 14 penalties, but they're not as big a glaring red light like they are are now. And that's, you know, not getting your players prepared or they're over anxious or you're not making in-game adjustments. And as much as we want to blame the refs and Dak and CD Lamb, I mean, there's blame to go along everywhere. But yeah. at the end of the day, you're the head coach and you've got to get the guys prepared. And if you're seeing things that you don't like in the game, You've got to make those adjustments because you know the coaches on the other side are going to see that and they're going to try and exploit it, and, and that's what happened. We talked a bunch, no surprise, about the final play, the quarterback draw with 14 <laughs> seconds to go. We've talked about I, – I made the joke about you pay Zeke $90 million and he gets you 30, oh, yeah. 31 yeah. yards. The one thing we didn't talk about, and it just – it was another in the line of I don't know what you are – what you think you're doing as a coaching staff. Fourth and five, they put the punt team out – they get a fake punt that goes for a first yep. down. You're like, wow, okay. I thought you should have gone for it, but same thing. Okay, good. They leave the punt team out there to try and draw San Francisco into a penalty for some reason. And through that, San Francisco doesn't bite. Through that, they waste 40 seconds at a time where they need scores and are running out of time, and they take a <laughs> five-yard penalty. And I just... 
I can't imagine why they thought this was a good idea. Just trying to be too clever for their own good, right? And and I think with those penalties, like someone on Twitter had written out every single penalty that the Cowboys had, and it didn't even fit into like one screen grab. It had to go over into two. But you're looking at, you know, illegal formation, illegal shift, hands to the face, like just the penalties that we're getting, delay of game and false starts in your own building. There was a time, can't remember what point point of the game it was at. They went back to back false starts. And then Dak got sacked. There you go. <laughs> There's your possession. Moving on to the next one, next series. Like it was just, and, and even like the calamity of everything, like that whole game, I kind of described it was just so laugh out loud from start to finish. Yeah. There was the point where Dak's got, I think it was right before the half, wide open middle of the field, heaves it up for Cedric Wilson. Cedric Wilson can't see the ball because of the sun shining in from in at the top of the stadium because you know there's got to be a window open so that god can also watch the cowboys it was just the, the <laughs> calamity from start to finish that maybe that's why i can sit here and laugh about it because everything's just so ridiculous so wacky so chaotic and and it all ends with you know fans throwing bottles and debris at the players and the refs walking off the field like it's just it's it could be a movie just that one game could be a movie it, it was incredible you mentioned the penalties i just love this from nflpenalties.com in the previous decade the cowboys had taken one defensive holding penalty on a run play they took two against the 49ers because, of, of course, they did. Laura Dyke and a TSN with us on the Western Pizza Hotline. So San Francisco advances. Uh, Kansas City rules. I think maybe, I mean, Buffalo was, was impressive, though. I don't know if New England was all they were cracked up to be. Cincinnati winning at home, beating a, I mean, the Raiders were good enough. Cincinnati winning at home, first playoff win in 31 years. I was just, as a sports fan, really happy to see that go down. Agreed. And I think the Raiders similarities, you could say, are like the Cowboys, right? They, for all the mistakes they made, the bad call that was called against them with that touchdown that shouldn't have counted, that game came down to the final play, right? And it was it was Derek Carr throwing an interception at the end. But we've been talking about this tandem of Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow and what they've been able to do. But a lot of it was the defense as well, coming up with the big plays when they needed to the most. I know their defensive line got hit by some injuries and it'll be an interesting week to see who will be healthy because they've got to be all systems go against the Titans. But that's a team that's believing in every single facet of, of the game. And, you know, you're not going to be like the Bills and scoring on every single offensive possession or like the Chiefs when their offense finally got going, scoring touchdowns on their next six. But they did just enough and they vary enough of their plays on offense. And, and again, the big defensive stops and everything when they need it, that it could be a dangerous team. And I, I mean, even if they don't beat the Titans, which is a tall order, you're in Tennessee. Derrick Henry is likely going to be back. They're coming off a bye. But this is already a huge win for this team who was last in their division last year, mm -hmm. makes it to the postseason alone and, and gets and gets this huge win in front of their home crowd as well. Like 31 years, like my brother and sister weren't even born then. Like it's somebody was saying like text messaging wasn't even a thing back then. It's it's amazing to think three decades. That's and that's not even a championship. That's just a playoff win. Those yeah. fans deserve it. And I'm happy for them. Happy for Buffalo, too. That was uh, that was awesome. The one that we when we spoke last week i was really surprised the eagles did what they did i don't know if that was the topic we were going to get into here but i really thought the eagles would put up more of a fight especially what we saw from them in the regular season they just 
they laid down and kind of exposed the flaws of, of Jalen Hurts and kind of did what Dallas couldn't do. You knew the Eagles were going to run the ball, mm-hmm. so the Bucks actually stopped the run, whereas the Cowboys knew the Niners were going to go and just got holding penalties instead. Yeah. Well, the, the <laughs> Niners run it. I mean, the Niners running it with Debo Samuel is a real mismatch for anybody. And then Elijah Mitchell had a ton of carries, though not for a ton of yards. The, I mean, apart from the quarterback run, I don't, I don't think of Philly as a real, particularly unique team in running the football. They run it like Baltimore would, just less effectively because. Hertz isn't Lamar Jackson in my mind, but yeah, I, I just don't think they're a team built to come from behind. And to me, that was always going to be their undoing against the bucks. If the bucks had any traction and they, they very clearly did in that game. Yeah. And we were talking about how Tom Brady had all of these weapons gone, you know, no Antonio Brown anymore. Fournette was gone. Ronald Jones was gone. No Godwin. And they put up what 40, 40 plus, whatever the score was there. Like this team, they could have for sure. Yeah stronger on defense again and it's they're they're going to be a force and the games that we've got coming up next week and I know we don't know who the Bucks are going to play yet but it's juicy and in a way I kind of always laugh that I, I expect the Cowboys to get knocked out early and now it's like stress-free now you can just watch <laughs> all the games and you can just enjoy it with no horse in the race and, and it makes it a little bit easier especially when your job is to do highlights and you've got to do the Cowboys highlights and pretend that you're really excited that the Niners that the Niners won the game. Please, please tell the folks. And you don't have to out whoever was producing. I'm assuming it was Griff because he's kind of that guy, guy who would do that. <laughs> How'd you know? How'd but, you know, DT? <laughs> but you noted, every, like everybody there knows you're, everybody at TSN knows you're a Cowboys fan, yeah? Yes, I would I would safely say that's a true statement. And the producer of SportsCenter gives you Cowboys highlights knowing that this is an incredibly painful Cowboys performance. Hold on. We should also say said producer is a diehard Bills fan. So I don't know if this is like getting the aggression out from Cowboys victories of past. True. But yes, it was highlights, uh, post-game comments, which were always very painful when you're on the losing side of things. Uh, A chat with Davis Sanchez about said game, (laughs) uh, a board, and then a separate tape entirely about the disgruntled Cowboys fans afterwards. So I said to my producer, you got to be professional because your teams are not always going to win. I get it. Yeah. I said, I've got one read in me. If there's a mistake, that's it. I've got one read in me. I'm going to do it once and one time only. So there we go. Uh, get, tell Griff I love him because if uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> that's absolutely shanked you like that. Uh, this, you know? th- this news just coming across a, a few minutes ago. Uh, oh, goodness. Uh he was I, I lost it. Raiders general manager was the oh, Mike Mayock. Mike Mayock fired as the general manager of the Oakland Raiders. Raiders, of course, losing to Cincinnati. Um, Mayock, I'm glad to have him back on TV because he's a tremendous draft analyst on TV. But whoever was making the draft decisions for the Raiders thought they were smarter than everybody else in the draft ecosystem and has absolutely blown it over three years. I was just pulling this up. Alex Leatherwood, first first round this year, repeatedly getting gooned in that playoff game. They had to move him to guard, which you can't do that in the first round. Henry Ruggs killed a lady. He's out of the league. Damon Arnett. Did a video with a gun. He's out of the league. That's a first-round pick. Their third-round pick in 2020, they traded before he even got to training camp. First-round pick in 2019, Cleland Furl is not much of anything. Josh Jacobs, you don't take a running back in the first round. He had a bad year. Uh, and Jonathan Abram, first-round pick in 20, also in 2019. They've had six first-round picks, 
and the best one is a running back in a league where running backs, no running back made a damn bit of difference on Saturday, Sunday, or and reasonably today. So uh, I'm glad to have Mike Mayock back on TV, but just if you're going to be a GM in, this, in the NFL, stop pretending you know more than everybody else because you just, you don't. Especially in that division, right? The Chargers oh. are on their way up. You got the Chiefs. Like that's you got to be keeping up with the Joneses in that one because that's a that's a tough decision. I don't know. They don't know about the the fate of Basaccia yet. But I right. I saw something on Twitter today that he wrote handwritten letters to every single player thanking them for the season. So at least they've got one character guy, <laughs> and they didn't question anything about character. Who's right now in charge of the team? So that's at least something i, I guess i love it uh, ld before i let you go uh mosh is uh, is uh, producing the show today he did not know why your intro song is the member berries uh singing africa by toto can you can you tell mosh the story of why that song means so much to us <laughs> so excuse me apologies to the viewers that have heard the story already but derek and i used to be the weekend weekend tandem tsn sports center we did a lot of shows together and uh big fans of south park and that was the season with the member berries and member member and there was one show in particular after it wasn't the great cup i don't think dt i think it was it was a cfl playoff whether it was anyway it was a playoff and we were dropping member quite a lot i remember our big our big boss didn't uh, didn't like that and uh, uh, sent us an email mid-show, which you don't. I don't think I've had one since. Let's put it that way, saying stop being too cute. That's one of those emails where it's like, oh god, I know I've done something wrong. Now the boss. What did I do? Did I right swear? Yeah. Did I swear? Did my mic pick it up? Did I? Yeah. No? Okay. Yep. So oh, it will geez. forever be our song. Uh, maybe maybe when, one day we'll have some member berries together, you know? When the number two person at the company emails you to go, stop doing that. You're like, oh, we must be doing a lot of South Park jokes. <laughs> I remember. To think of all the other stuff that we did that didn't even get a mention at all. But, you know, you get into Memba and you get into South Park and all of a sudden people get really upset. I think, like, maybe, honestly, conservatively, 150 times I said just the tip over hockey highlights. Never there heard a word about that. Twice I this I don't know if you I don't know if you know I did this but uh, a buddy of mine was having a birthday and he said hey is there some way you can say my name on Sports Center tonight I'm like yeah I can do that so I my buddy Hafiz Khan there was a goal in the uh, in the World Cup and uh, I named him as one of the Egypt's great scorers of all time. <laughs> I, I was like uh and it was i forget who it was that scored the goal but when you when you watch him you think of the great egyptian scorers of all time like abu trika or hafiz khan and no one ever knew about that no. at all because we'll have to uh, we'll have to tease it for next week the betch please story oh my gosh that's right that's i forgot betch about with that an e everybody betch with an e i'm not swearing i'm not getting anybody in trouble so we'll save that for next week. I'm putting, if you remember. Already writing it down. I'm putting that in the notes so I don't forget <laughs> it. Laura Dyke at TSN. Laura, thank you so much, buddy. Always great talking to you. All right. Enjoy the game tonight. She is uh, Laura Dyken on Twitter, at Laura Dyken with us every Monday talking NFL. Man, yeah, Betch, please, was a great one. Oh, that's going to be a good story for next Monday. Laura's on the Western Pizza Hotline. Dinner time, game time, anytime. A great time to order Western Pizza. Ask your local Western Pizza location about their special. 623, final thoughts coming up. Six twenty-four. 
God, those are some of the best days. You, you get, Mosh, you get that late night loopiness, but you're on TV in front of a national audience and it's going to run all morning long. And sometimes you got to let a couple of slip on air. Yes. Or at least have your inside jokes that, you know, you and like Laura alluded to, you might, you know, you two are the only ones that are kind of in on it, right? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we, we did get yelled at that one right on <laughs> from, from the boss. This Guys, just in, we don't have jobs cute. anymore. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they just, but it's not like they're forced, right? They just evolve out of things. We both love South Park and we both, oh my God, you see South Park? Those member berries were so funny. And to the life of me, I don't remember what the, I don't really remember the member berries now, these four years later, but oh, it was just so funny at the time. So you just get your little, you get your little catchphrases where I would just say, you know, I would just, a guy would stand in front of goal and tip in the sh- the point shot, and it's oh, Connor McDavid, just the tip, two one <laughs> Oilers. No one ever yelled at me about that. No one ever said a boo about that. I, I was like, oh, okay, is it like is it not funny or is it? Because I, I thought it was kind of pushing. It's not offensive. You gotta right, push but it's the envelope. Pushing the envelope a little bit, but yeah. <laughs> Is is this thing on? Hello? Yeah, exactly. Anyone out there? Uh, but yeah. What, oh, she'll tell the Betch Please story. Oh, uh, I definitely got to tune in next Tuesday now. From or a, Monday. It, it's just a, it's a, it's a UFC story around a, a fighter who was popular for a minute and a half. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, gosh, uh, what? I'm trying to think of what I was. Because you'd always, you just want to be, you just want to stand out in some way, right? Because rotating hosts through SportsCenter, there's, apart from at the time, you know, Dutch and Hedge and Kate and Natasha, the rest of us could kind of all get lost in one another, right? Mm-hmm. Because you didn't have a defined role or a defined show and you just wanted something. Plus, when you're doing after Sunday night football, we would get on at 1130 and go straight till 2 a.m. You kind of need something when you're calling the highlights for the fourth time in a row. Right. Right. You kind of got to have some fun and you want whoever wrote the pack to feel good about that. Oh, man, I set DT up perfectly for that joke by writing that. You want them to feel good about that. You just had to, uh, yeah, I got to go back and, and just, uh, just batch, please. Well, just get her back on the line. We'll get the no, story no. up. It's good. It's good to come back next week. She'll be interested in telling that story. She'll have uh, caught all the football games. But, yeah, every once in a while, like, there was – I just remember when I was a writer, and uh, it was uh, Detition and Mike Toth, if you remember that duo. Mm-hmm. And it was Detition and Rod Smith. It was Detition and – oh, no, it was uh, Duffy and, and Rod Smith for a bit, but – like Dutch would just have some every once in a while where uh, he would, uh, what was it? Uh, Iran had been to the World Cup and uh, they, they got knocked out, whatever it was, in the group stage. And the, But their country was so proud of them, they gave them a bonus. And, and Dutch wrote it on camera where he said they could take the bonus in cash, gold, or arms. And this rolled up. And, so, and I just, oh, I thought that no. was so funny. I was, he, he hit the mark with the audience he was going for because I was laughing my butt off in the newsroom that day. Uh, apparently the next day, Dutch comes into the office and he told the story with us here on the air. He comes, comes into, the, uh, comes into the, uh, the studio, the sports desk studio at the time, and the boss is like, Dutch? And he walks right into the boss's office and then has to apologize on the air. Oh, no. But you're like, yeah, sometime, like, sometimes you're, you're pushing it. Um, well, you got to know where that breaking point is, right? You got to push it to the point where it's like, okay, 
Two steps back, DT. If you're not Just calm down a bit. If you're not getting yelled at, I mean, if you're not getting in trouble, you're not doing it. Well, uh, then what's the point? In my younger days, Jamal Lewis of the Ravens had uh, he ran for like 260 yards or something incredible in a football game, and I was on TV and doing the highlights that night, and I said he ran like Oprah after the hors d'oeuvre tray at a soiree, because Oprah was notoriously yep. fluctuating in her weight. Uh, one person wrote in so mad and man, did I ever get reprimanded that day? But you're like, okay, so the line is right about there. Okay, cool. I'm just gonna tell you a little bit back on that one, but I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. still stick with it. I feel a little bad about that one, but uh, ultimately, yeah. Oh, geez, I can I can remember some of my earlier days of uh, getting into broadcasting and more live radio and some of the things that you know. You think it sounds good until you go to air and you, you, you start saying it and all of a sudden, oh, there's the phone line. Some, I said something that someone doesn't like and then it's, you know, it's all downhill from there. Yeah. <laughs> you just hope your bosses back you up to the, to the proper extent. Yep. If I was offensive, okay. But the one time I was doing like Manitoba moose highlights and a guy got hit in the stomach and he keeled over. And he wasn't hurt, but it looked like he was going to throw up. So I pulled out the uh, Marge from Fargo where she's over at, oh, I think I'm going to barf, which Fargo was an incredible movie. Man, I got yelled at that day, too. You can't make fun of the home team. I'm like, it's a, it's a joke. It was, it was Fargo. Fargo's like this incredible movie. At the time, it was like three years, I don't know, five years prior. Like, Fargo is recent memory. You can't do it. All right, well, you'll have to tell me tomorrow afternoon whether or not you got hauled into the boss's office tomorrow. or <laughs> Bitch. <laughs> Come on. Is she just mispronouncing it? Uh, well, sort of. It's, it's on. It uh, is uh, 6.30. We're out tomorrow. Suits is back. Arash Madani will uh, talk to the Regina Pats ahead of their game against Calgary. Rachel Dory on the NHL and so much more. Sports Cage On Demand. Please do grab it wherever you get your podcast. It's for the Canadian Brew House. Winter wonderful feature dishes available now at the Canadian Brew House. Please do subscribe. Leave us a five-star rating and review. Appreciate you being with us back Tuesday with more.